to invite Bruce, Bruce up, who's going to introduce our speakers today. Welcome, everybody, and uh, thank you for everybody for coming. I know some of us come from a long way to get here uh, through forest fires, through all sorts of conditions that are around right now. But uh, back in 2012, Annalisa and I were in uh, Restoring the Foundations headquarters, getting trained up in the Ministry of Restoring the Foundations. And uh, they told us about this, uh, this speaker named James Jordan and Father Heart Ministries. And they said, uh, we're reserving you a couple of places for you uh, if you want. Uh, but, um, but, you know, you've got to tell us because it's going to fill up people from Restoring the Foundations that are coming from all around <coughs> the uh, North America, in fact, the world to this. So we thought, well, didn't know anything what Father Heart Ministries was, but we thought, well, we're here for the, here for the burger. We might as well go for the four meal deal. <laughs> and, uh, but little did I realize that we actually there, uh, we actually were in the main meal. We thought Restoring the Foundations was it. But we sat through six days of hearing James and his wife Denise, and there was another guy named Mark Head, who's now the, uh, the International Director of Father Heart Ministries. And we sat there for six days, and I, I just was just blown away. My heart was just opened and softened to, this, to the revelation of what it is to be Father's Son. I really came, felt like I came home, and there was just shifted me completely. There are two things that have shifted me most in my, my Christian walk. One is restoring the foundations. The other is Father Heart Ministries. That has then led to a pursuit of, uh, of getting to know Father more and understanding who he is and uh, connected with other people uh, such as Brent and Jen Redding who've, who've also taken the revelation of the Father to Calgary and that's just taken off there. But there's something when you know who the Father is, and you know who you are, and uh, there's something in that. So since then, we've been involved with Father Heart, not as far as part of the ministry, but very much connected with it. And I think this is just a wonderful time, and I think this, it's no coincidence that we are on the corner of Garden and Eden Road, where the Father wants to take us back to the garden. And uh, there's something here. I, I just hear Gary saying this morning we're on the, uh, on the Highway 6 and Highway 3 junction. There is something about this. But um, I, get to, I got to meet uh, Richard and Neo just last year. And, uh, and uh, you know, it just really hit it off. I felt a real connection with Richard and Neo. They travel all around the world. Uh, they traveled, uh, how many nations, Richard? He's lost count, but I heard he's, he's going to Egypt, he goes to Thailand, he's been to Indian, he's going to Indian Nepal, but he travels all around the world. And he and Nia just, uh, just uh, are, are speaking and uh, ministering to people with the revelation of, of the Father. So it's a great privilege that actually Richard and Nia, it was no easy feat getting here to get some, to, uh, to speak here because they got up at 2 a.m. in the morning yesterday to try and make their way to Castlegar. When the flight was canceled, they went to Cranbrook and uh, Sue is here from uh, Creston, drove them over. And uh, it's such a privilege to have them here that, uh, that uh, and I just so thrilled and excited to hear that your hearts are gonna be touched 
today, your hearts are going to be open to really receiving this revelation. There's something when you know who you really are. There's something about that and that you really truly are loving and you know who your father is. I have a father and it's just not my earthly father. When you know that, it's just something that changes. You really receive that in your heart. So I'm not going to keep talking because I'm not the one you'll be here to listen to, but I wanted to introduce you now to, to Richard. And let's give him a warm welcome anyway. Fantastic to be here with you this morning. Um, as Bruce said, we had quite a journey yesterday, and yet throughout it there was just this sense of peace and, and reassurance, knowing that one way or another we were going to be here this morning. And, and as it as it happens, it was it was pretty smooth, wasn't it? It was uh, it was pretty easy, despite all of the challenges. There's something Father desires to say to us this morning. I wonder if you could you put up the, the bridge in that last song? I think it begins, you can't, you can, you can't. Love so indescribable. Can you put that bridge up? Is there someone that can do that? Somebody knows how. Yes. They're waving hands like, I don't know how to do that at the back. The person who did it earlier went to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> here we go, here we go. Here's the lady that knows. Love so indescribable. There we go, undeniable. There it was. Love so undeniable I can hardly speak. I mean, we, we say those words so easily, don't we? Because they become so familiar to us. Love so undeniable I can hardly speak. Peace so unexplainable I can hardly think. As you call me deeper, as you call me deeper, as you call me deeper into love, love, love. You see, his love, his love is a freight train. His love is a, a freight train of, of tenderness a freight train of compassion, a freight train of understanding. It's not, it's not just something that we know in our heads or we have written down in theology books. His love is real and it's a freight train. It's a freight train that wants to go right through your living room. It's a freight train that wants to go right through your living room. Thank you for that. Love so undeniable, I can hardly speak. For many years, growing up, and even in my adult years, I had this memory. And in the memory, um, I'm looking at the door handles to my father's study. He had these double doors that would open into his study. My dad was a, a, a lawyer, a tax barrister. He had a big office in the house, and the huge oak table inside with a high back leather chair at the back. 
And in this memory, I, I must have only been about this tall, because I, as I look at the door handles into his office, my eyes are at the level of the door handles. And I can see my hands, and my hands are, are kind of hovering above the handles. And, I'm, and there's a certain amount of apprehension, there's a certain amount of fear, there's a certain question in my heart that if I open those doors, will my dad want to see me? If I open those doors, will my father want to see me? If I open those doors, what is it that I'm going to be greeted by? Am I going to be greeted by someone running to me, smiling, who's going to pick me up and, and maybe throw me up in the air? Or, or am I going to be greeted by anger? Am I going to be greeted by someone who's not happy to see me? Am I going to be a blessing or am I going to be an inconvenience? And I can remember standing there as a child, standing there as a child, um, can I go in? Can I go in? Can I go in? You see, when my dad wasn't there, I would go in. When he wasn't there, I mean, his, his desk was huge. I mean, to me then, especially when I was a little boy, it felt massive, you know, the space underneath it. But my goal was the high back red leather chair. Why? Because I could sit on that chair and I could sit at an angle sort of with my backside on the edge of the chair. And then with my feet, I could kick his desk and the chair would spin 360 degrees and as it would come round I could kick it again and then kick it again and with each rotation the speed is increasing until you know I'm flying round in this red leather chair but you see what's really in my heart is this I don't want to sit in that red leather chair on my own What's really in my heart, what's in my imagination is what would it be like to sit on my dad's lap? What would it be like to sit on my father's lap? What would it be for him to hold me in his arms and to spin me round in his chair and we would laugh and giggle, maybe somewhat, you know, just like two little boys playing, me and my dad, me and my dad. I was really touched by, is it Troy? Is that the worship leader? Is that right? And your son's name is Kagan? Is that right? Yeah. Man, he's a chip off the old block. I just leaned over to Bruce. I said, that's got to be his son, isn't it? Like that? It's like even the hand movements were the same. Now, what would it be like for us to be two little boys in that chair? That, that was the longing in my heart. But what I've come to see is that's not the end of it. That's not the end of it. There's, there's a greater longing. There's, there's a deeper longing. There's a, there's a deeper place, a greater longing within my heart. Not simply to be loved by my earthly father but find a place in the arms of my heavenly Father. Because there is love undescribable. There is love undescribable, I can, I can hardly speak. There, there is love that consumes, there is love that owns, there is love that overwhelms.
this deeper, deeper desire to be loved by him. You see, as a father myself, we have two daughters. What I've come to realize is this, I'm just the babysitter. I'm just the baby. I cannot fulfill the needs of my daughter's hearts for love. Why? Because they were created for a greater lover. They were created for a greater father. Because Jesus says this, the father is greater even than I, John chapter 14. Even something in the heart of Philip knew it, didn't he? Jesus, show us the Father and then that will be enough for us. And that was what was in my heart as I reached out for those door handles. Show me the Father. My heart needs to see the Father. Show me the Father and that will be enough. That will be enough. You see, inside of each one of us, inside of what we wear and what we look like, how we present ourselves, is little boys and little girls who just want to be loved. Little boys and little girls who just want to be loved because that's what you were made for. That's what your heart was made for. That's what you've been created for, to be loved. Not to be loved by me, to be loved by him. And the reality of his love, the substance of his love, not just to know about it, but to live in the unfolding experience of him loving you. Of him loving you. We better read a Bible first, haven't we? <laughs> it is a Christian meeting after all. <laughs> Second Samuel chapter nine. I'm, I'm actually I'm just going to refer to it. But Second chapter, Second Samuel chapter nine is the the story of Mephibosheth. You know who Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan and the grandson of Saul. The Bible tells us he was crippled in both feet. He was crippled in both feet. He was crippled in both feet. About 18 months ago, I was in the Philippines in the home of a wealthy man, a man who's become a dear friend of ours, we were sitting around his table eating, and not just any food, but the best of the best food. You know, not just lamb chops from New Zealand, but, but the best quality, highest quality lamb chops, these huge king prawns that had been grilled on the barbecue, freshly, freshly steamed vegetables, just this beautiful, beautiful meal in this in the, not, not grandiose dining room, but beautifully created dining room. Hardwood timber floors. Just beautiful. And we're sitting around this table and enjoying deep, intimate conversation. You know, that kind of conversation where you're, you're talking with somebody and it's like everyone else in the room disappears. Because you're suddenly lost in this, in this deep fellowship, this deep communication heart-to-heart -heart communication. And I'm chatting with my friend, his name was Whedon, or is Whedon, 
And I said, we then, after about half an hour of enjoying this food and of deep conversation, I said, Whedon, can I, uh, can I use your bathroom? And he said, sure, just go through those two double doors over there and uh, you'll see the bathroom on the other side of, of the kitchen. So I got up from the table, I walked over to the two double doors and I opened the doors and got an almighty shock. Like, enough to kind of throw me backwards because when I opened the door, there were three people outside the door all doing this. You know, like one down here, one here, and one a little bit higher up, and they're all, they're all listening. They're all listening. They're not expecting to see me. I wasn't expecting to see them. They were as shocked as I was. You see, Whedon has eight servants that live in that house together with him. Servants that do the cooking, servants that look after the garden. They're all part of his family, in fact. He loves each of them dearly, cares for each of them dearly. But as I did this and as this happened, I just felt Father was saying to me, Richard, this is you. This is you. You've been standing outside the door. You see, these guys were just waiting for two things. They were waiting to be told what to do. They were waiting to be told what to do, or if anything on the table was not as it should be, maybe the prawns were not cooked properly, or, or the lamb was too cooked, or we needed more vegetables, that they would be corrected. You know, this, this isn't cooked correctly. Can you cook it again? Can you get some more? Can you bring some more? My father said to me, Richard, that's what your relationship with me has been like. It's all been, it's all been about direction and correction. It's all been about direction and correction. If your relationship with God is all about direction and correction, then you're living as a slave, not as his child. You're living as a servant. You're living as a slave because that's what slaves need to know. They need to know what they need to go and do and then they need to go and do it. And if they don't do it right, they get told off, and this is how you need to change. This was my relationship with him. And what he said to me was this, Richard, I want you to come in. Come and sit at the table. Come and sit at the table because there's things that I long to say to you. There's words in my heart. I mean, I read Song of Solomon, I don't know about you, it makes me blush. Because the words are so intimate. The words are so intimate. Your breasts are like fawns. Your words are so, the words are so intimate. And Father's saying to me, Richard, I want to speak words of life. I want to speak words of love. I want to speak words of identity into the deepest places of your heart. I want to tell you what I love about you. I want to tell you what I like about you. I want to tell you what's in my heart. I want to tell you about my passions. I want to tell you about the music that I like. <laughs> we can enjoy it together. But I've been standing outside the door. You see... A servant has no permanent place in the house. A servant has no permanent place in the house. They're only there as long as they're serving a purpose. They're only there as long as they, can, they, they are able enough and well enough 
to be able to fulfill a purpose. And if they don't fulfill that purpose, they get fired. And that's how I live my life. That's how I live my relationship with God. I've got to prove myself. I've got to show how, some, somehow show that I'm good enough, that I can perform enough, that I can be a good and faithful servant, otherwise I won't have a place here. I've got to earn it. But you see, sons, sons have a place forever. Sons have a place forever. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Come and sit at the table. Come and sit down at the table. There's nothing you have to say, nothing you have to do, nothing you have to prove. Why? Because you're my child. You're my son. You see, in my heart, I was just like the prodigal son. In my heart, all I can say is, I'm not worthy to be your son. Just make me like one of your hired men. Just make me like a servant. I'm just happy to be in the house. I'm just happy I've got a roof over my head. And Father's saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come and sit down. You see, Mephibosheth came into David's presence and he was afraid. He was afraid because when there's a new king on the throne, the first thing that king does is hunt down all of the descendants of the former king and execute them so that they'll no longer be a threat to his throne. And Mephibosheth came with his crippled feet into David's presence. And in verse 7, David says to him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He said, is there anyone that I can show favor for Saul's sake? Is there anyone from the household of Jonathan that I can show favor for Jonathan's sake? He said, don't be afraid. Father's saying today, don't be afraid. Amen. Don't be afraid. You see, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Here we are on Garden and Eden Street. It goes all the way back to the Garden when Father was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam comes out of hiding, and what is it that Adam says? He says, I was naked and I was afraid. I was naked and I was afraid, and so I hid from you. You see, the greatest problem our Father has is not sin. The greatest problem he has is not sin. He's dealt with that. Jesus said, it's finished. It's finished. It's done. It's dealt with. The greatest problem is that his very presence causes us to be afraid of him. To be afraid of him. In Hosea chapter 11, it says this, I have drawn you. I have drawn you with cords of human kindness. It's God's gentleness that draws us to repentance. It's his kindness that draws us. Let me show you how much I love you. Let me show you my tenderness. Let me show you that you don't need to be afraid. Let me love you. You see, Jesus came into this world and he says it again and again and again in the scriptures, 
Father, I have revealed you. I have revealed you and I will continue to reveal you, John chapter 17. Why? So that the love that you have for me would be in them. Papa, that they would know what it is to be loved by you the way that you love me and that I would be in them. I have revealed you, Father, and I will continue to reveal you. You see, when you look at Jesus, you see the Father. When you, see, when you hear Jesus' words, when Philip said those words in John chapter 14, Jesus said to him, don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me? Because, you see, if you have seen me, you have seen Father. The Father and I, we are one. Jesus came to reveal to us the true nature of our Heavenly Father. This God who they feared in the Old Testament, Yahweh, who was distant, is actually Abba Father. He's your Father. But we've been afraid. And David said to Mephibosheth, don't be afraid. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. I'm going to restore all of your inheritance and you will always sit and eat at my table as my son. As my son. And I love how the story finishes. The last statement is this. And Mephibosheth was crippled in both feet. You see, we can come with our crippled feet. We can come in our brokenness. We can come in our inadequacies. We can come in our success and in our failure. Why? Because he's our father. He's father. He's father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the father except through me. Jesus has opened the door into our Father's study and he's sitting in his high back leather chair waiting for you. Waiting for you. Waiting for you to jump up on his lap. You see, the scripture says this, the Bible says, unless you change and become like little children, <laughs> You'll never enter the kingdom of God. All of the time we say it to our, chid, our kids, don't we? Enjoy your childhood. These are the best years of your life. And Father's saying, enter in. Come on down. Let's do it again. Just jump up on my lap. Let me show you who I am as a father to you. Let me show you. Let me show you love indescribable. Let me show you love overwhelming. Let, let me show you love that will leave you hardly able to speak. The writer in the Welsh Revival says, said, uh, here is love vast as the ocean. Why did he write that? Why did he write that? In the midst of the Welsh Revival, here is love vast as the ocean, loving kindness like a flood. 
because he was living in the midst of that experience of a flood of God's love. Love so indescribable. Love so undeniable that you can't even speak. You see, there's words that Father desires to say to us. And the first and foremost of, that word, of those words is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, I see uh, recently, what was it, six, seven weeks ago, Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un meeting together in Singapore. Whatever you think of those two people, I look at them and I see two little boys that need to be loved. I see two little boys that need to know love undescribable. Love undeniable. I see two little boys that need to go into their daddy's study, jump up on daddy's lap so that daddy can hold them, so daddy can kiss them, so they can scream with joy together, so they can twist and twist and twist, and then maybe they're going to stand up afterwards and go, whoa, you know, we're all dizzy, whoa, fall down on the floor. That's what I see, that's what my heart needs. That is life. That is what Jesus has won for us. Jesus is the way to the Father. But Father's the destination. In the story in Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, we read about Jesus inviting little children to come and sit on his lap. What Jesus tells us again and again in John's Gospel is that he doesn't do anything except that which he sees his Father doing. He even says, the words that I speak are not my own. My doctrine is not my own. That's John 14. In John 12 he says, my Father tells me what to say and even how to say it. How to articulate it. You see, every action, every word, every touch was an expression of the heart of the Father. Even the cross is an expression of the heart of the Father. What is it that Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, I don't want to die. Is there any other way? Take this cup of suffering from me, Father, but not my will be done. But your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. You see, the cross is an expression of the heart of the Father. His longing, the price that he is prepared to pay for us to come home. For us to be able to jump on his lap. Can I borrow a chair? Wonderful brands. Could I borrow you? You see, Jesus was sitting there in Mark chapter 10. I imagine him sitting on a rock. Brant's bottom's a little more comfortable than that. And it says this. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. 
and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Suffer the little children, come to me. It takes courage to be a little child, doesn't it, Jess? Let's get even better than that, shall we? afternoon Jesus tells us that he comes from the Father and that he's going back to the Father. I come from the Father and I'm going back to the Father. And then in John chapter 14 he says this, I'm going to come and take you to be where I am. I'm going to come and take you to be where I am. You see, this morning, Papa's saying to us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's time to be a little boy. It's time to be a little girl. doesn't matter whether you're nine. doesn't matter whether you're 18, 50, 55, 95. Compared to him, we're all just little boys and little girls. We're all just little boys and little girls. And Papa's saying, come home. Come home. It's time to stop being afraid. You don't have to stand outside the door. You don't have to be afraid that somehow I'm going to reject you. I imagine as those little children are, are one after another hopping up on Jesus' lap. And remember, Jesus does nothing except that which the Father's doing. Whose lap were they really jumping on? I imagine there were other children standing there thinking... I'd really like to go. I think there were some adults there. Even some of you now are thinking, can I sit on Brad's lap? <laughs> right, yeah, the ones laughing the hardest, it's them. But I think there were other children sitting there thinking, what if I go and he says no? What if, you go, what if I go and I get the hand? What if I go and I get the angry look? What if I go and he says, no, not you, I'm afraid. Not you. What if, what if he rejects me? Am I good enough? Will he love me? What do I have to say? What do I have to do? What do I have to become? How do I have to change? And Father says, I love you. I love you. Not who you think you should be or who you try to be or what the media says you should do or be. I love you. You're my child. You're my child. And I want to show you love undescribable. Love undeniable. I want to show you love that you can hardly speak. 
I want to drive a freight train of my kindness, my affection, my compassion and my understanding through the, through the living room of your heart and unveil to you who you really are. Because I never created you to be a servant standing outside the door. I want to restore to you all of your inheritance, invite you to sit at my table all the days of your life as my son, as my daughter, as my child, as my child. Don't be afraid. It takes courage, doesn't it, to be a little boy, to be a little girl? Because we've spent all of our lives trying to build structures and things around ourselves that will make us feel safe. Until a forest fire comes down the hill and it all burns down. And we realize it was never safe anyway. Because there's only one safe place and it's right here. It's right here. This is the place of love, undescribable. This is the place of peace beyond anything that your understanding can contemplate. This is a safe place. This is the place of rest. This is home. This is what it is to discover your true destiny and then to live from this place. To live from this place. You see, Jesus didn't say, I'm going to take you to be where I will be. He said, I'm going to take you to be where I am. Jesus lives eternally from this place. And he's saying, it's time for you to be seated in heavenly places in Christ. To know this place. To know this place. It's time to stop being afraid. I don't know about you, but I'm a control freak. <laughs> Do you know why I'm a control freak? Because my heart doesn't believe that I have a father who loves me, so I've got to do it myself. I've got to do it myself. Papa's saying it's time to stop trying to do it yourself. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. It's time to let me be the strong arms that surround you. It's time to let me pour love and life, my love and life, into the deepest places of your heart so that your heart sings, Oh, good, good Father. Oh, good, good Father. Oh, good, good Father. Oh, good, good Father. say those, ver those words like a mantra, which is sort of like a magic spell, because we're afraid, and we try and say, well, you know, perfect love. No, no, no. I need more love, Papa. 
because I'm afraid. I need love. I need love. And when love comes, you don't have to try and do it yourself anymore. You don't have to protect yourself. You don't have to find your own way. You don't have to make your own destiny or create your own name or reputation. You don't have to try and provide for yourself because you have a father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he loves to provide for his kids. He wants to reveal himself to your heart. Can we, can we stand together? Now we're going to be going into this into greater depth this afternoon. You know, Papa's not only in the house. Papa's in the house. Papa's in the house. My father and I, we are going to come and make our home in you. He's right here. Right here. Right now. Would you take your right hand with me and put it on your heart? Right here. Right on your heart. And if you'd close your eyes. Just as you close your eyes, see Papa's eyes right now. In your mind's eye, see his eyes. See his eyes of compassion. They are deep waters. You see, when he looks at you, it's like everyone else in the world disappears. Look into his eyes. Because you're just a little boy, a little girl, who needs to be loved. Whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever it is you've been facing, Papa's saying this morning, let me love you. Let me love you. Let me love you. Just let me love you. Look into his eyes. And would you give him your right hand? Give him your right hand. Let your right hand be his hand right now, resting on your heart. Give him your right hand. Just let his hand rest upon your heart right now. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I see you. I see you. I know you. I am your origin. You belong to me. Love you. Even right now, there's words of life and words of love and words of tenderness. He's just writing on the tablet of your heart. Words like son. Words like daughter. Precious. Mine. And other words beyond utterance. 
words of truth, words of reality. Thank you, Papa. Thank you. Just let me love you. You don't have to try anymore. There's nothing you have to say, nothing you have to prove, nothing you have to be. Forget the spiritual gymnastics. Just be my child because that's who you are. Just be my son. Let me be a father to you. Just be my daughter. Let me love you. dwell in it, stand in it. Some of us can even feel his arms around us. Sit in that red leather chair on his lap. This is where you belong. This is home. Whether you succeed or you fail, whether you've got it all right or you've got it all wrong, this is your place. Right here. no permanent place in the family but a son but a daughter belongs to it forever 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 thank you Jesus for 